0: The Law Report with Karen Key. And a very good evening to you from tonight's Law Report programme. Well, I'm joined this evening by Michael Bagram, practicing managing partner at Begram's Attorneys, Labour Law Specialists. Michael, good evening. Welcome back to the show. You seem to be an extremely regular guest these days, not just once a month anymore.
1: Thank you. Yes, I love being here and this is my favourite station. So well, the listeners you. enjoy having
0: you. I can tell you that by the number of emails and the responses we get after the show whenever you've been on. Well, tonight we'll be taking a look at all types of leave. There's sick leave, maternity leave vacation leave gosh the list apparently is endless just give us the sort of headings to start with
1: okay thank you yes we have to have a look at chapter 3 of the basic conditions of employment act that's act number no. 75 of 1997 as updated and if you look at chapter 3 obviously there's the normal leave that we all talk about that's pay for the annual leave then of course we all understand there is sick leave Um, There's maternity leave, that's for anyone who is pregnant. Obviously there's quite a complicated issue about maternity leave. There's family responsibility leave. And then we have other types of leave that various businesses do have that's not in the Basic Conditions of Employment Act. Things such as study leave, there's religious leave, um, there's uh, leave that people get extra leave for long service. So there are all sorts of types of leave that we can talk about but i think what we must do is we must concentrate on the actual leave that is in the basic conditions of employment act obviously we all know there's also the uh, the normal holidays that we that we do have where some businesses close down and then finally obviously we have the public holidays uh, which many businesses then also close and you have leave for those public holidays and of course if you do work on those days then you would get double pay if you work on the public holidays. So there's lots of types of leave. Um, there's that old joke that says, with all the leave and with all the strikes, um, then I think Corin, is just you and I working <laughs> in, in South Africa, mm, no one okay. else. But let, let's have a look at, at, at annual leave. Annual leave um, obviously is, is in terms of that Chapter 3, and it's um, Section 20, it's annual leave. And it's done in an annual leave cycle, which means the period of 12 months of employment with the same employer immediately following the employee's commencement or the completion of the employee's prior leave cycle. So you would look at a cycle of that 12 months. And then what does the act say that you are entitled to 21 consecutive annual leave on full remuneration in respect of that cycle? that 12 months does that include weekends though yes this is the point so if you work a six-day week then what you do is you take a three 21 consecutive days it's a three-week cycle within that annual leave and if you look at it obviously if you work a six-day week then you get 18 days off because you work six days but let's say i only work one day a week then what sort of holidays would I be entitled to at the end of the year? And it's only three days, because that's 21 consecutive days when I only work one day a week. Over the 21 days, I would work three days. That's one day a week. So it depends on how many days you work per week, and that's what you will get um, as your annual leave. If you work a five-day week, do they count the weekends in your leave? Yes, they do. So you would then, if you work a five-day week, you get 15 days worth of leave at the end of the year. This chapter does not apply to any employee who works less than 24 hours a month. So if you work less than 24 hours a month, obviously you're not entitled to any leave. That's working less than 24 hours per month. Um, Obviously, many employers agree on greater periods of leave for their employees. And that can be done, and it doesn't interfere in any way with the Basic Conditions of Employment Act because you must understand that the Basic Conditions of Employment Act is the basis. It's the, minimum, you can the minimum you're entitled to get. So if I work three days a week for an employer over a 12-month cycle, then I'm entitled to my 21 consecutive days, and that's nine days' worth of leave. I must get it. I can't agree not to have it. The other thing is, and it's a myth, that you can sell your leave. In other words, I'm not going to take my leave. I'll just get paid out for it. And I know that it is a common practice in businesses, but the Act doesn't allow for that. You must actually take your leave. The other thing that you must do is that you must take your annual leave not later than six months after the end of that leave cycle. So if you've been working somewhere for 18 months, you must take all your leave now Often you have employers putting pressure on employees saying we can't afford you to go. That's illegal. You can go to the Department of Labor, lodge a complaint. That's absolutely illegal. You must take it. If in fact you don't take it and you want to do something, you want to sell your leave or you want your employer to pay you out for that leave, don't afterwards complain if the employer then says no, I'm not going to because it becomes very difficult to try and pursue what is owed to you. And many employers actually have in their conditions of service that if you haven't taken your leave, you're going to forfeit it. So please have a look at that carefully because I get phone calls at my law firm every single month people phoning and saying, I've been told they're not paying me out for my leave. Um, so you must, you must actually take your leave as soon as you can get it. It's no good afterwards saying that. I haven't had leave for 10 years and now my employer owes me X amount. Uh, For employers, remember, leave that is not taken that year becomes expensive because you're paying for the leave at the higher rate the next year. When the employee then earns more, he's accruing at a higher rate. Um, I know many of the municipalities, and in particular Cape Town municipality, many years ago, about 15 years ago, did a, um, a calculation as to how much they owe in terms of leave, and because they hadn't given everyone their leave over every annual cycle, um, their, their liability was growing at an enormous rate. So employers need to have a look at this carefully as well and actually try and get their employees to take the leave, because it in fact is, an, is a liability. Um, but the leave must be taken and must be paid in accordance with that section uh, 20. Sick leave is another thing if we can move on to that. Um, sick leave is it's also done in sick leave cycles and it means the period of 36 months of employment over three years with the same employer immediately following the employee's commencement of employment or on completion of the employee's prior sick leave cycle. So you look from the day one and then you calculate it over three years and during every sick leave cycle an employee is entitled to an amount of paid sick leave equal to the number of days the employee would normally work during a period of six weeks. So now what we're doing is we're talking about, and I know it's getting a bit complicated this, but we're talking about three years, a cycle of three years, and you were then entitled to six weeks worth of sick leave. Um, sick leave, sick leave um, is also paid leave, Obviously, we'll have some conditions as to what allows you to be paid over that sick leave. But it's a very important section because, unfortunately, many employers don't pay for sick leave and it's illegal in terms of the basic conditions of the Employment Act. You did
0: tell me a very funny story a while ago about people. You went to a factory somewhere and they were all deciding Correct. on who was going to be taking sick leave the yeah. next day it because f- they felt they were entitled to it was like a leave day and they could
1: just take it whenever. Correct. Which you actually shouldn't. You shouldn't. You've got to be sick. You have to actually, yes, you be you sick. You have to be sick. And being sick means that you're not able to do your work. Um, so not that it's your turn to take a day off. Correct. And you can't say, well, I'm entitled to uh, my um, six week six weeks and I haven't taken my full six weeks, so I'm going to get very ill. Uh, tomorrow I've decided and you're going to tell all your colleagues that. And that happened in a factory here in, in Cape Town in Salt River. Um, I was quite amused because the ladies who were talking about it didn't see anything wrong with it and certainly didn't think there was anything illegal about it. And they were quite happy to talk in front of me as the factory's (laughs) attorney. Um, I just sat there like a Cheshire cat. I could not believe what I was hearing. Okay, also what you must understand is during your first six months of employment, an employee is entitled to one day's paid sick leave for every 26 days worked. So during that first six months, you can't accrue at full cycle worth of leave. See, but remember, on the seventh month, and you're and have a car accident, you can then access the full three years' worth of sick leave. Now, this is also a conundrum, because employers often phone me, and they say, Joe Soap has worked here, say, for eight months. Joe Soap has now fallen ill, pretty gravely ill, and he has applied for the full sick leave over the three-year cycle because he's now outside the six months he's been there for eight months and he wants his full six weeks worth of leave and paid and in fact he's entitled to it because the way Section 22 of Chapter 3 of the Basic Conditions of Employment Act reads is that during the first six months it's only one day for every six weeks but you go fall into the full cycle in terms of that Section 22 and you can access your full six weeks for the three years now let me tell you another weird thing let's say that Michael falls ill in his eighth month at work and he needs six weeks worth of leave sick leave he accesses the six weeks worth of sick leave because the doctor gives him a certificate and says he's got to be off for two months and he gets that sick leave when he comes back to work he then gives a week's notice that he's leaving he he thinks that this place has made him ill and he's leaving so Michael's leaving you can't ask Michael to pay back The sick leave that is accessed. So it's an interesting concept that you can actually take sick leave in advance. What happens if you get sick afterwards, though?
0: Then is it unpaid leave? It's unpaid sick leave. You must remember. Now you've done it all for the whole three years. You've done the whole three years. years It doesn't really pay you to get so
1: sick in the beginning then. No, it doesn't. So try not to. (laughs) We we, we did once also discuss the new disease that they had in Australia when they tried to give people bonuses who didn't take their sick leave. They said, if you don't take your sick leave, we'll pay you out for that full sick leave period at the end of that first year. And uh, one of the states in Australia, I can't remember which one it was, um, I think it was in Sydney, they then coined a new disease called presenteeism, where they they dragged people into work, (laughs) even though they could hardly (laughs) breathe, because they wanted to actually access that bonus. Mm. So all the mates would drag Joe Soap in, sit him around a chair and sort of smack him until he, he was more or less awake and then, <laughs> and then sat there. So you've got to be careful about that as well. Uh, I tell you what's a real problem, and I, and I do some work with, um, for, for instance, uh, epilepsy South Africa. If you are an epileptic, you want to get your tablets, and you have to go to the clinic once a month, you then take off that day to go and get your tablets, You can access your sick leave because I think you can't work on that day because you need to go and get your tablets. Uh, It's a bit of a problem that, but most companies then agree to that. But then the problem is you've accessed all your sick leave. And so the real problem you've got then is when you actually do get sick. It's unpaid. It's unpaid. And so that's a problem. But there are some of the companies that are very clever and saying, all right, we'll go and collect it for you. And they collect everyone's tablets for them, and that's actually quite a good thing. Um, what, what we do need to discuss about, about sick leave, which I think is the most important thing, and people don't often think this one through, it said that an employer, that's the proof of incapacity, the employer is not required to pay an employee in terms of Section 22. If the employee has been absent from work for more than two consecutive days, or on more than two occasions during an eight-week period. See that? In other words, two days in a row. Or
0: one day here and one day somewhere else within Within eight
1: weeks. Within an eight-week period. I didn't realize that part. Yeah. And if you don't produce a medical certificate stating that you, the employee, was unable to work for the duration of the employee's absence on account of sickness or injury. So you need that certificate... A medical certificate, and in the medical certificate, you don't have to say what was wrong, but the medical certificate must say that you're unable to work for the duration of your absence on account of sickness or injury.
0: Now, there's a slight problem with that because it just so happens that over the weekend I was in a particular shop and there was a young lady behind the cash register who did not look well or sound well at all. And I said, gosh, you should be at home. She said, I can't afford to be at home because if I stay home, I have to get a sick certificate. And I cannot afford the cost of the doctor to have to actually pay the doctor 300 and something rand to get the certificate.
1: I understand that. And but that's if, our if, clinics.
0: And I, well, then she'd have to spend the whole day. Feeling like she's feeling half dead anyway, sitting in the clinic waiting. You know, it, it's a kind yeah, of, it is a bit of a mean, catch twenty two. I mean, I understand friend. the 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 the
1: the. the The logic. The logic and
0: everything else. But I just kind of feel sorry for people who have to then put themselves through extra trauma when they're not feeling uh, well anyway. I
1: understand that, but there's very –
0: But that's more for the one day and then another day within eight weeks. and That's kind of a bit harsh.
1: It is a bit harsh, but unfortunately we have a lot of people who pretend to be ill and Mm. then come in. Okay. And we have a lot of people um, taking medical certificates and forging them. Or instead of uh, one day on the certificate, you put another one in, you get 11 days off. Um, All those sort of naughty things that people do, you do need to be able to try and manage it properly. Mm. And I think our Basic Conditions of Employment Act has actually effectively done that. They are trying to manage the sick leave problem that we've got. Um, Must also remember that this medical certificate, which is a very important document, must be issued and signed by a medical practitioner or any other person who is certified to diagnose and treat patients and who is registered with a professional council. I
0: think you mentioned last time you were here that that it is coming for traditional Uh, healers.
1: Sangormas. And
0: Sangomas, yes, but not just at the moment. Not just
1: at the moment. They would have to have a professional council, which is established by an act of parliament, and I think we're getting close to that. Parliament is debating it. And it might be a good thing if they hurry that up and we can get it done as quickly as possible so we can control what the Sangormas, what certificates they sign and, and who goes off. But we're seeing a lot of this where people arrive at work and they come with a certificate from a nurse or they come with a certificate from an administrator. Um, that doesn't help. I remember in, when I was at school, um, I used to get uh, sick notes from my mom to say that I couldn't come to school. Um, and she was the effective practitioner at the time, um, that doesn't work anymore. You can't ask your mom to send a note to your <laughs> employer. It's not going to work. You must have, and let's go through it again, it must be signed by a medical practitioner or any other person who is certified to diagnose and treat patients and who is registered with a professional counsel established by an Act of Parliament. Okay. Okay, so that's absolutely important. Um, and obviously, um, the employer then is not able to, not, cannot withhold the payment. Now, the medical certificate, and there will lots, lots of cases mm-hmm. about this, is also quite important because it's only a recommendation to the employer that Soap was sick. Because if the medical certificate said that Soap was ill for four days, he was unable to work during that period, and they write because of his bad back. And you instead of uh, you as the boss, instead of going to work straight away that day, you happen to go for a walk and you walk past the tennis court. And there you see Michael playing a vigorous game of tennis at 12 o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon when he's very ill because of his bad back. Um, you might then say, look, I need to question this medical certificate. I'm not entirely happy with it. We had a lovely example a few weeks back where someone was put off uh, for um, by a psychiatrist for stress at work and the boss happened to be going to his niece's wedding in Mauritius and there was the employee in Mauritius on the beach drinking a pina colada um, and said that no, he wasn't going to pay for that there was an argument and in fact it was because of stress and they told him to take time off and and get away from it all he thought Mauritius was a good spot so you, you can't immediately jump to conclusions You have on to investigate that, it. You have to investigate
0: <laughs> okay, it. Okay, so just very briefly, Michael,
1: tell us about maternity leave. Maternity leave, also important, it's at least four consecutive months, um, and it commences any time from four weeks before the expected date of birth, unless otherwise agreed, or on a date from which the medical practitioner or midwife certifies that it is necessary for the employee's health or that of her unborn child. So it's four months. Remember it is unpaid. The UIF would pay, they they would but pay it's a, a full salary. Um, but many employers do in fact offer a benefit. Um, so you would check your employment conditions at work um, as to whether maternity leave is going to be acceptable. But it isn't
0: not. by law that the employer is has to pay while you're on maternity leave? Not at all,
1: nothing. It is important, and most employees and most employers don't know that, that the employee must notify the employer in writing unless the employee is unable to do so, of the date on which the employee intends to commence maternity leave and also intends to return. So the employer should be told in writing when Cheryl is going and when she's coming back. Um, And that notification must be given at least four weeks before the employee intends to commence the maternity leave. Um, But obviously as soon as you can, if it's not practical to do so for them then. So it's, it's very important. Of course, also what happens is that an employee who has a miscarriage during the third trimester of the pregnancy or bears a stillborn child is still entitled to maternity leave for six weeks after the miscarriage or stillbirth. Um, And that's also important. People don't realize that. And you can't just come back to work. It's it's not acceptable at all. The last thing I do want to, and I'm taking up a lot of the time, I'm sorry about that, but it's important that people know about their leave, is in terms of Section 27 of the Basic Conditions of Employment Act, there's family responsibility leave, and that applies to an employee who's been in employment with an employer for longer than four months. You can't take family responsibility leave if you... The week after you get there. Correct, and you have a death in the family, you'd have to then ask for unpaid leave and who works for at least four days a week for that employer. So if you're a one-day-a-week employee, then you can't access your family responsibility leave. And the employer must grant an employee during each annual leave cycle, in other words, during each year, at the request of the employee, three days paid leave. It's only three days, and it's for the various reasons. And let's just go quickly through the reasons. When the employee's child is born, in other words, it's type of a paternity. Paternity leave, okay. When the employee's child is sick, and you might have to bring proof that the child was sick. Or in the event of the death of the employee's spouse or life partner. So it doesn't have to be your husband and wife, spouse or life partner. Or the death of the employee's parent, adoptive parent, grandparent, child, adopted child, grandchild, or sibling. That's the death of uh, one of the... And obviously, you know, in in, in part of our culture, some of the uh, South Africans say that this is also my mother. um, But you can only take the three days once per annum. Um, We had a big argument recently in a factory where someone's mother died taking the three days off. Then came back seven months later and said, "My mother died." The, um, the foreman got really upset and said, "But then you must have lied to me on a previous occasion, because your mother died last year." Um, but uh, in terms of that culture, that was understood, so that was allowed then at that point, because it was in the next in the next cycle in the next cycle. It's all what
0: very a- complicated, Michael. But you very kindly are going to be putting a template together. Right. So if you're wanting that, you can have a look and and email me on law at safm.co.za or Post something on the Facebook page, Law on SAFM. You're tuned to SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. I'm Karen Key, and this is The Law Report. My guest tonight is Michael Bagram, an attorney in Cape Town, practising as Bagram's attorney's labour law specialist. And we're talking about labour law. We're going to be focusing this evening on workmen's compensation, and it's somewhat of a minefield, I think, for both employers and employees. And just having had a look at the Department of Labour's website, when you take a look at what you need to do if you want to claim... I'm not surprised there aren't that many trees left because the number of forms you have to fill in is quite daunting. And hopefully Michael's going to be making things a little easier for all of us who need to claim from workman's compensation. Can you just sort of try and guide us through this, what I call a
1: minefield of workman's compensation? It is. And I think a lot of the people who will be phoning in or asking us questions will have particular problems that they have actually claimed already and they're not getting responses. Um, and we actually not spokespeople for the Department of Labour, just to warn people up front that we are purely trying to find our way, our foothold through the minefield of legislation governing occupation, occupational injuries and illnesses. So, <clears throat> to kick off, let, let's let's look at it carefully. First of all, you have to be a worker. You have to be an employee. Um, and you have to be employed at the time when you either get hurt or contract a disease. And if you do get hurt or contract a disease through the workplace, you're then able to claim a certain amount of money from the compensation fund. So yeah, I'll just interrupt you before we go any further. Now, the, can
0: you define the worker? Does that include contract workers? Yes, it,
1: it includes any workers who are working, permanent or casual, who are training who are completing an apprenticeship. Uh, there are some people that are fall outside this, yes, and let's just go through that list now, so that we can put it behind us. And I think this is part of the old apartheid legislation, because a domestic worker employed at a private home can't claim, uh, which I think is pretty weird, um, and it and it's I think that stretches back to apartheid.
0: The employer would have though, had to be paying workmen's. C- some
1: sort of a monthly contribution yes yeah correct and unfortunately there's nothing you can do with a domestic worker in a private household i know i've tried to register our domestic worker um through the uh through coida uh, the compensation fund and uh, no luck the domestic worker falls outside now i can't explain that it's just that's the legislation it's weird but they are a category of employees that have been left out. We pay unemployment yeah, well, you for can our do, domestic yes, workers. Of course you can we should be able to play We should be able to pay the mm. compensation commissioner, but no you can't. Okay. So else? so the only other way you can do that is actually take out some private insurance for the health and to govern against any diseases or injury at work. Okay. And a member of the South African National Defence Force, there's a separate fund for them so they don't fall under it. So if you're in the army or the Navy or the Air Force forget about it you can't you can't claim and there is a separate fund there and it's a different discussion. Um, also there's the African Police Service now there is also a separate fund there it's not a very functional fund but it is it is there and as a member of this African Police Service you can't claim through the compensation commissioner. A worker who doesn't work under the control of the employer now this is interesting. Because it could be an employee who, for instance, is on the road, like a, um, you know, a traveller. Um, that person is not under the control at all of the employer. You're travelling from dope to dope and you're selling goods or whatever it is. You're not, You've got no control of your employer and you have an accident.
0: So that would be like a travelling salesman, a
1: for traveling example. A travelling salesman. And they, it's very difficult to define exactly who that is, but that, that's an area of of argument with the commissioner and say so I've got nothing to do with that. Now, what particular. about a truck driver? He's traveling. Yeah, but he's under control. He, he is being controlled. He's told to drive from A to B at certain times, and he's told how to what he's got to carry in his truck. I think he believes, I mean, I believe he's under the control of his employer. Okay. And then a worker who works outside South Africa for more than 12 months at a time, you send someone on an oil rig outside South Africa more than 12 months at a time, or you post them to Kenya and um, those people also because they're more than 12 months at a time you can't claim of course if you're a domestic worker in a boarding house that's a, that's not in a private household then you have got a claim and of course um, you also can claim if you're an apprentice or a trainee farm worker or something like that you can claim and then of course a worker paid by a labor agency or if you've been put there by a labor broker you can also claim so those are the people who can claim Obviously, there are forms. That's what you were speaking yes. about. We're keeping <laughs> sappy in business. Yes. And these forms, and there are a myriad of these forms, and it can really wear you down. I've tried to fill them in in the past. It's, it's really an unhappy task. Um, but you must submit them in the correct way in the proper time.
0: Now what is the proper time? I think that's always a possibly a problem as well.
1: Yeah, There's all sorts of timing, but the claim must be made... More than twelve can't be made more than twelve months after the accident or after the disease is diagnosed, and you must be off work for more than three days or more than three days, three days or more. Now, also, you will see some of the forms that says that you must claim immediately upon being able to find out about the injury.
0: So, if it happens today, you it have, to report, today, you have to report it immediately. Reported
1: immediately, and if you couldn't because the person's in hospital or whatever it is, then at least you can explain. But you can't be outside the twelve months.
0: Although there is a rather amusing section in that thing you were telling me yeah. before we went on air. What was that thing? I mean, if you're it, dead.
1: Yeah, there's another <laughs> there's another form saying if you're dead. But I, I think they've misworded it slightly. Yeah, I'm sure they have. Because yes. Because If you died, obviously you not. You going can't to claim fill in the form. Yeah. And but you still have a claim. Yes. <laughs> well, your family, so or your your family has have, a yes. claim for, for death on duty. So, it's it's important to understand this this outline of of where you stand now unlike the unemployment insurance fund the employers pay into the compensation fund and they must pay um, once a month workers do not pay anything towards this fund so you don't deduct anything from the workers and the employers cannot deduct money from the workers wages as a contribution to the fund we did discover some employers who came to my firm um, who explained that they were deducting money from the workers' wages. And I explained that you can't do that. It's, it's, it's not acceptable at all. The fund itself covers occupational diseases and workplace injuries. You can't on the weekend go off and play a hockey match, uh, come back with a, a broken leg and then try and claim from the fund. That's that's fraudulent. It's cheating. You cannot do it. And even though some of the employers try and uh, Collude with this exercise. It's not. It's not done. You, if you get caught, really bad, bad things will happen to you. It's a criminal thing. Uh, occupational diseases or illnesses caused by substances or conditions that the worker was exposed to at the workplace. Uh, you read about um, all sorts of strange diseases from the workplace. Um, those there, you can actually claim. Um, but then you're going to have to prove that you're exposed to the working conditions that was related to the disease and there's been
0: lots of cases with the asbestosis uh, case, yes, and I correct. think there's a big case going currently going on now with the minors there was some other cases well similar the, thing so that but that was a the, workplace and that, that's workplace illness.
1: illnesses that you can that you can get um and the and the working conditions and diseases caused by these conditions they are covered in schedule three of the compensation fund act so there is a schedule of all this you can have a look at that schedule um, you'll also see that I've, I've asked, I'm going to ask people to go to the website um, and we'll give them the address of the website of the uh, Department of Labor which actually covers this this fund right now there uh, what can be claimed there are five kinds of compensation one is for temporary disability in other words you're out for three days or more, but it's temporary. You're going to be out for six months or three months, that's temporary. The other one is permanent disability. In other words, you've you've lost a, a limb or a digit or something of that nature, or you're you've now permanently disabled.
0: But you can't basically, would it be permanently disabled or just permanently unable to do the job that you were doing when you were that's injured? That's a permanently,
1: permanently unable to do the job that you were doing. Okay. Obviously, you can claim on death, but it's not you, it'll be your... Your spouse or the next of kin, you can claim medical expenses and then there is additional compensation that you can claim. Um, you will also see that if in fact through the employers negligence, in other words you were working with a machine that you got hurt on and the employer was supposed to have had that machine serviced and they didn't despite the fact that they weren't warned to have the machine serviced, then there is additional compensation that you can claim. One thing we need to remember is that the compensation fund itself does not pay for pain and suffering. It's only for loss of movement or the use of your body. So you can't say, well, I, you know, I've, I've suffered pain now for the rest of my life. There's no claim there for that. The amount of compensation that will be paid to the worker depends on how much the worker was actually earning when the injury is sustained or the disease diagnosed. If you have stopped working by the time a disease is diagnosed, the compensation will be worked out according to what you would have been earning, but for the disease.
0: Now, if you're off for this injury,
1: is your company obliged to pay you? Yes, they are obliged to pay you. They're obliged to pay you for the first three months. Okay. Now, this also, it's an important question because this also means that the employer will be out of pocket because they're not getting your service for those three months. So the employer then tries to claim that three months back from the workman's compensation. But only three months. Only the three months. And the problem you've got is that many of the employers come to us as attorneys, and so we haven't been paid back. Now, there's not all that much we can do as attorneys to try and hurry this up. I suppose we could take them to the courts, but that takes years in itself. And it costs more money. And it costs more money, so it's actually not worth it, and it becomes more and more frustrating. I know many of the employers out there are pulling their hair out. They just can't get their money back. Um, and my small firm, small law firm, has been through this exercise. One of one of our drivers, our motorbike driver, fell off his motorbike. Um, we we don't know who it was, but someone bumped him from behind. Um, so he obviously was off for a few months, and we had to pay the three months to him. And I think it took us four years. <laughs> to get the money back (laughs) and uh, I think my bookkeeper wanted to throttle me afterwards but the point is that there is a a bottleneck there that's holding everything up and I'm not sure what it is. Um, I would dearly love maybe someone from the department to come on air and to explain uh, what's going on and how they're going to correct it because I think, I think South Africa deserves to know.
0: Now, what happens after the three months? Because the company is now no longer obliged to pay the salary. Yeah. Do they get paid a full salary for, and for how long, if they do, by the Workman's Compensation Well, it's fund?
1: normally for the temporary disability and until you're back at work. I'm not sure of the formula as to how they actually work it. The different formulas that they do work it. But that's why you pay the first three months because the payments are supposed to kick in on the fourth month but again, I must just tell you, and we're going to have people complaining and saying, how dare you say that. The bottom line is people just don't get their money, and they wait for ages and ages, and it doesn't happen. Uh, for instance, I know that I deal with a lot of medical personnel. I was about to
0: ask you. I mean, they, they can't be too happy not getting paid either.
1: No, because these people that are injured, injured at work go to the doctors. They go to the hospitals. And the hospitals and the doctors aren't keen to take on the workmen's compensation patients because they're also waiting for years to get paid. And so they get frustrated and then they sue the employee. Who ends up being
0: blacklisted yeah, and the whole correct. thing is just a vicious and cycle. and the whole the thing is,
1: is a vicious cycle. Let's just have a look at what temporary disability actually means. Um, temporary disability is when you are unable to work or cannot do all your work because of an injury or disease, but you will get better. that's the whole idea you do get better to claim this you need to be put off work by a doctor that's a medical practitioner certified medical practitioner you can't get put off by a nurse um, and not even at the moment by a sangoma we're still waiting for them to be registered but if you're put off for longer than three days you will get paid out for the whole time that you are unable to work including that first three days now is this complicated formula, and it may be not worth us talking about it, but let's just go through it because you asked the question. Let me try it. It's a bit, I can't understand. I'm it. saying, Am
0: I'm, I I'm, I'm now going to be ever sorry I
1: asked the question? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you cannot work at all, you will get paid out 75% of your normal monthly or weekly wage. If you can only do some of your work, you will get paid some of the wages by your employer. The fund will pay you 75%. Of the difference between what you got paid and what you would have been paid before the injury. So okay. it's almost as if you're being penalized for being injured on duty. Well, not really. You're supposed to be getting the full amount. Okay. So okay? Well, but, but if you if you partially, if you can't get paid, if you can't work, then you're going to get 75% of your salary for not working. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, well, okay, but at least you can survive. Well. So that that's the whole idea. Fairly, but okay. the medical expenses are also paid if their accounts are submitted to the commissioner now there's a way in which you can submit these accounts it's also a bit complicated but the forms that you have to fill in but you have to submit them obviously a commissioner can't by osmosis find out what your accounts are so you have to submit them Uh, one of the ladies phoned me and said they haven't paid all her medical accounts i said well when did you send it in no she didn't send it in oh so (laughs) The doctor's not going to send it in for you. You've got to go and do it yourself. You can, com- you can claim compensation for temporary disability for 12 months. That's temporary and up to a whole year. And this can then ex- be extended to 24 months. And then after 24 months, the commissioner may decide that the condition is permanent and grant you compensation on the basis of permanent disability now the bottom line is yeah you need to have it assessed the commissioner might have it assessed by their medical personnel but you need you have an obligation to go and have it properly assessed yourself because you're supposed to only claim temporary for 12 you can then put out a good case from your doctor as to why you need another 12 but after that then the commissioner has to make that decision so that's that's temporary if we can move on then to permanent what is permanent it's an injury or an illness that the worker will never recover from. Uh, for instance, if you lose a hand or you lose an eye, or that, you can't recover from that. That you've, you've lost and, and it's going to make you finding work more difficult. And then these also a bit of a complicated formula over here where they'd work out disabilities. they rated from 100% to 1% depending on the seriousness. Um, for example, 100% with the loss of both your hands or the loss of your sight altogether um, they make an example they say the loss of a small toe is a one percent disability so you know they they've got they've got their own formulas that they work out uh, and again your doctor will have to do a medical report explaining and reporting exactly what the disability is and then the commissioner and his or hers uh, doctors will decide how serious that illness is um, I. I was speaking to an employee who actually got a head injury a few months back. And I said to him, When he goes in to be assessed, uh, they'll assess how disabled you are. Um, and you, wouldn't, you mustn't dry, try too hard to answer all the questions properly. And he came out, he was obviously badly injured. <coughs> Excuse me. And he came out and said, He really struggled with some of the questions. And I asked him, especially, Don't try too hard. <laughs> but anyway, he, he got assessed. Um, ...at almost 60% disabled. Okay, Okay. so, right. How much compensation do you actually get if the disability is more than a 30% disability... ...you will get paid a monthly pension.
0: Okay, and that's for the
1: rest of your working life? Correct. And the size of the pension, again, depends on what your wages were... ...and on the seriousness of the disability... If you have a 100% disability, you'll get paid 75% of your wages. Again, a similar type of formula. Okay? Okay. So you get 75%. And if the disability is less serious, the following formulas used to work out the payments, i.e. your wages, 75% of your wages, and then a percentage of the disability. So, again, a bit of a complicated formula and a bit. Difficult for me to... Okay.
0: But as this is all on the website, so people it want to go and have a look. on the
1: website, and we are going to put something together to put onto your that website. That they can actually ask yeah. for some documents Correct. if they want to read more about Correct. this. Okay. If you all sound totally confused like me. Yeah. If the disability is less than 30%, you will then get paid a lump sum. The okay. commissioner, they don't pay you monthly because it's less than 30%. You should find another job, but he's still permanently disabled and by 30%, you then get paid a lump sum. Um, how they work out what the lump sum is, search me. I don't know. I don't understand that formula, but they they do do it, and I'm not going to bore you by trying to give you the maths of how they try okay. and do it. That lump sum is a once-off payment. Um, if you get a monthly payment for more than the 30%, that's for the rest of the worker's life. Okay. Okay, so that that's their death benefits. This is very exciting. It's someone who dies at work.
0: Well, that's not exciting, but... Okay, but it's
1: exciting that that does exist because a lot of people don't realize that it does Mm. exist. And if the breadwinner in your family was killed by an occupational injury or disease, you can claim from the fund. The amount of compensation that you will be paid depends on your relationship to the deceased. The total amount paid to the family cannot be more than the pension the deceased worker would have received if... He or she was three quarters if was three quarters of the wages per month. So you can't get more, so it'll be three quarters. You can't get more than that, but that's the total amount that person will be paid. The spouse will be paid, and um, there's a lump sum of two times three quarters of the workers' wages, or a monthly pension for life of forty percent of three quarters of the workers' wage. Bear in mind I'm okay. not good at maths, okay. No, nor am I, but that <laughs> that's quite a it's about half. Okay. Of the person. Okay. <laughs> okay. It's not half, but in my mind, it looks about half the worker's wage. The workers' children under the age of 18, including illegitimate adopted and stepchildren, are entitled to a monthly pension of 20% of three-quarters of the workers' wages. Okay. Okay, and this is paid monthly until the child is 18 years old. This pension can continue for longer if the child is mentally or physically handicapped, then they look at the recipient and say, well, you're mentally or physically handicapped, we can help you. If there's no spouse or children, other dependents will be paid compensation. For example, parents of that worker. The worker might have been looking after his parents or her parents. Okay. To claim compensation for the death of a family member, you need to provide provide certified copies of the following, and and you can also get... This from the website, the marriage certificate, the children's birth certificates, the death certificate, declaration by the spouse, there's a special form for that. The employer's incident report, once again, is another form for that. The funeral accounts, is a form for that as well. And then the details of the income and the property. So it depends on who's claiming from that estate. As and then to you what have you to, need to supply. Exactly it.
0: Just a reminder, you tuned to SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. I'm Karen Key, and this is The Law Report. My guest tonight is Michael Bagram. He's an attorney in Cape Town practising as Bagram's attorneys, labour law specialists, and we're talking about workman's compensation. If you have any questions, you can call us on 0892 10 2010, 0892 10 2010. Michael, before we go any further, let me just get to this email from this listener, Mangeti Nsele. He says... I want to know about the compensation fund and how it works. Well, hopefully we've explained it partially now. There will be more information later. He says, I was injured on duty on the 17th of July this year. My wrist was fractured. So I went to hospital and I was placed on IOD, which is injury on duty. It's almost six weeks now. By the end of August, I received my wages, not even my basic salary. I'm not quite sure what he was then paid. Obviously, he wasn't paid the full amount. He says he's working in, secu- in a security company as a reaction officer. What he wants to know is whether I can claim from the compensation for
1: my injury on duty. Absolutely. Absolutely can. There is a. supposed to be an accident report. There's an accident report form to the compensation commissioner. It's, it's form WCL3 called the Employer's Report of Accident. Now, it's supposed to be done... Within seven days after the accident. Now, this is a bit long in the tooth, but you can obviously apply for condemnation of late filing of that report form. But it should be done within seven days of the accident or, obviously, within 14 days of finding out that the worker has an occupational disease. So those are the time limits for reporting it. the the commissioner said something earlier about reporting it within 12 months but you must you must claim within you the must 12 claim months. but you have yeah. to report it well, we have to report it within seven days within the seven days or if you find a disease then 14 days you must you must claim within yeah. 12 so months he's supposed to inform his supervisor or his employer as soon as possible verbally or in writing well, they must have known
0: because he said he was placed on iod so, so
1: they, they, must, they obviously must have been then, and then they the employer must report it now if they didn't they're then exposing themselves to a claim from him because if it's turned down by the commissioner, the employer might have done something wrong because that's not up to him now to
0: do it. The employer So he shouldn't have been the one that reported it initially to the compensation? No, he, he must
1: report it to the supervisor or his employer. Okay. And then as soon as he reports to the employer, they're supposed to complete a form WCL-2. It's called Notice of Accident and Claim for Compensation. Okay they then must report that, report the accident to the compensation commissioner. And sometimes employers don't don't believe the person hurt themselves at work. They must still do it. And then that form, the employer's report of the accident will be put in there, and then that will be investigated.
0: So he should basically find out from the employer whether they have Correct. reported it to the workman's compensation. And
1: I say that most employees should keep nagging their employers and should also proof that it's been done, that sort of thing. Because a lot of employers are recalcitrant and they don't do anything. And it becomes really irritating because they just don't do anything. They don't want anything done. And often employers don't want to do it because they might have done something wrong with the machinery or their workplace might be unsafe or unsavory and the safety could be compromised. So many employers don't want to do it.
0: So what happens now if his employer, if he asks tomorrow on Wednesday, um, and the employer hasn't reported it, what is his next step he's as the employee?
1: He's got to tell them they must report it, even if they're late, and he's got to tell them that he wants proof, and if they don't report it or he's still suspicious, then he must then himself report it in and then report his employer. Okay,
0: so now when he... If he had done this, or if this all had been done correctly, and he's now reported it, obviously they know because they put him on on duty. In, on off, ju- off duty. duty. Yeah. What form should he have filled in, and ge- must he have filled in a form and given it to the no, employer? No,
1: there's no there's no duty on the employee to fill in a form. Okay, so it's all the employer. All the employer. WCL yeah. two, they have to fill in, and, and three have,
0: and three. Yeah, and they submit those two forms to the de- Department Correct. of Labor and to the Also, also
1: what he has to do is he should see a doctor. And that's WCL four. Well, he says four. he went to hospital. Well, they probably filled in WCL four okay. at the hospital because that's got to be completed by a doctor. Okay, see, so I'm getting confused already now. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> even injured on duty no, yet. Yeah, I know. Well, that's the problem. <laughs> the problem is that there's hundreds of these forms. I mean, like a funeral account says WCL forty six. Okay. So I can, I can go. Through, I can just mind the whole mind mm. will boggle. Um, all you've done is you've been injured at duty and you just want to get paid for it. Um, and there's hundreds of these forms. I suppose it's because in the past people used to cheat. Mm. People used to claim when they weren't injured. Uh, employers would collude with employees. Uh, doctors would collude with employees. I mean, it, it became a bit of a joke. Uh, so now they've actually got it hidebound and paper bound, And they want properly signed off forms and things. And if they don't get that, then you don't get paid. So it's got to be done properly.
0: And just to tell you that Michael has very kindly put together a document with some of this, uh, which is a little a little bit more plain English for all of us who don't quite understand what's going on with all of this. And that will be available on the um, Facebook page. So have a look at Law on SAFM. There's a whole list of documents that are available, and this will be, I think it will be document number 13 or 14 or something. There's quite a lot of them there. So just have a look and see what you want. But if you do post a request for a certain document on the Facebook page, Please include your email address so I can send them to you, the documents that you want. My thanks once again this evening to Michael Bagram. He's the practicing managing partner at Bagram's Attorneys Labour Law Specialists in Cape Town, and he's been my guest on tonight's edition of the Law Report program. And Michael has very kindly given us a whole lot of documents relating to leave as well as to workman's compensation. And if you'd like those, they are posted on the Law Report Facebook page. Just go to Law on SAFM. Have a look at all the documents. There's lots more. There's a whole list of very useful documents there. If you'd like any of them, post a message on Facebook. But please do include your email address so I can send those documents to you. Otherwise, drop me a mail on law at safm.co.za. The Law Report is on the air on SAFM every Monday evening between 9 and 10. And if you'd like to contact me, once again, the email address law at SAFM.co.za and Facebook law on SAFM. Well, in next week's program, Michael Bagram will be back in the studio and we'll be taking your calls on all things related to labour law. That's the Law Report next Monday, the 6th of January. And I'll be back with you again tomorrow evening just after 9 with Health Matters. So join me then. But time right now for some late night music.